Hello and welcome to the Purpose Edge. I'm Phil Preston. Did you know the average cost of legal services in a divorce in Australia is $100,000? That's when there's property or children involved or both. $100,000. So do you think it's worth doing something about that? Well, someone has and it's a real game changer. And a while back, I did this interview with Tracy McMillan, who is the CEO of Forge Legal. I'm talking to a lawyer. So what I hear you say, aren't all lawyers leeching off society? Well, this one isn't, and this is going to blow your mind in terms of the impact that one person or a small team can make. Now, be aware this recording was a bit uh, in COVID times. It's a bit Zoom 1.0, but don't let that bother you. It's worth it. So let's pick up on that interview and find out all about an incredible impact initiative. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. And I am excited about this chat because I know a bit about the work you do. And I've often said to people, look, with certain business strategies, you can make an impact of 10 times, 100 times, or even 1,000 times more than you're making now. And they look at me with skepticism, like I'm just trying to sell them something. But you've actually proven that. And I want to come back to that a little bit later on. But before that, I want to, can you just describe your practice and, and what you do and, and why law? Mm, um, so obviously I have a law firm and it um, practices in a few different areas, but um, one is family law, another one is employment law and business law and wills and estates. But, um, and I've been in the law firm now, I've had it for 10 years in, from October of this year. And I've been in law for over 20 years, so a lot of grey hairs go. And um, why I went into law actually all started from a debate I did when I was 13 about the Tiananmen Square massacre. And That's deep. Yeah, it was. It was. I've never before. I was never a big speaker at school or anything like that. But that whole formulation of an argument and logic, and I just went, this is what I want to do. I want to be a barrister. So from, yeah, age of 12 or 13, I went, right, that's what I'm doing, Mum, Dad. Not going to finish school like they wanted me to go to. Back in the <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Money would have been not well spent for them. So I bet um, not many kids say barrister at age 12 or 13. It's still doctor, fireman, that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I wanted specifically to be a barrister and... And that's exactly what I did. I went through and I was a barrister for eight years, um, practicing in family law and criminal law. So, but I wanted to do more than that. So everybody always goes into law. No, like contrary to popular belief, people don't go into law going, I want to earn all this money, right? That's like, if you, not, not for the areas of family law or criminal law or anything like that. Um, nine times out of 10, when you ask somebody like in law why are you doing it everyone goes I want to change the world I want to make a difference and then what happens is they come out into the profession they get struck by the big money ding 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 there's so much money to be made mm. and they lose sight of that changing the world and I wanted to change the world and um so Philip Buckett I'm coming to I guess um you know there's a dynamic there when when you get to a certain age you probably have a mortgage you have kids and you have a whole lot of commitments you didn't have when you were studying so do you think that's part of it or is it something else um when I came out and I was a barrister I didn't have children but um I got I used to be really proud and I, I love fighting for that sense of justice and um 
it's one of my telltale uh, strengths is to really fight that good cause and I get quite emotive and passionate about it. Um, but I had to leave the bar because I wanted to have children and unfortunately, as progressive as the world is these days, it's not progressive enough when you're a barrister um, supporting yourself at the bar to step away for a year to have children to then come back because you're only as good as your last matter and you're not available to take grief. So I stepped away and I, I decided that, well, you know what, I actually can make a bigger difference um, being a solicitor and having my own law firm by dealing with people at the front end as opposed to a barrister who deals with it at the, the last stages and they can't fix anything. And it just didn't seem like the right place to make the biggest change in the world. Um, forgive my ignorance here, but when I watch TV shows that have barristers in them, it's almost like the barrister, I think, is picking up the brief and not spending a lot of time with a brief because the business model doesn't allow you to, as you say, go and fix things. It's really, it's a very tight process. So what does that feel like? Yeah, it's brutal, actually. Um, I always say there's two different types of stress in law. So a solicitor has an ongoing lower level of stress that they're running running and managing that file and drafting the court documents and things like that. So it's a lower level but consistent period of time, whereas as a barrister, you get handed a brief most of the time last minute. Mm -hmm. You've got to uh, prepare it overnight. So the good old V and the no-dos come into play <laughs> and yeah. um, you're up all night, everything's channeling into your short-term brain and you go in there. So the stress is intense, but for shorter periods of time unless you've got multiple back-to-back -back cases and then it can create a, quite a dangerous little uh, emotional and mental situation if you're not careful. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of health issues that go with that um, as well. Yep. Yep, so what, yeah, go on. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate or not? Oh, yeah, no, I had a stroke um, about oh, wow. years ago as a result of the intense levels of stress that you put yourself under. It's really unhealthy and... Um, what is quite common is you, you work hard, you play hard as well. So, you know, the smoking, because you're trying to, I don't smoke anymore, but um, because you're chain smoke, because that's your way of feeling stress, um, you would have a bottle of wine. Like it was just not a healthy way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, when I was working in a corporate role, going to see a one of our, I guess, firm's legal advisors. And um, I was really amazed because he was shaving as, as we walked into his office. It was sort of like, <laughs> that was his life. You know, he was there in that office. And then maybe it wasn't yep. that much more around it, which was a bit sad. Okay, so so what was it like then? Did you start, I, I don't know if you started Forge from scratch and built that, or did you join a firm? No, I started from scratch. So um, I went... When I came out of being a barrister, um, I went and worked for a law firm and I discovered what an unhealthy environment looks like and that it was the competitiveness and it, it was really toxic, um, really, really unhealthy. And I went from there to um, the complete opposite of a law firm where it was completely unhealthy as well. Um, and I just went, no, I, I want to start my own law firm. I want to create something that's different. Neither of these work. They're a traditional law firm, you know, through namesake, but mm. they 
they weren't what I wanted. Yeah, I want I wanted something more. I wanted a law firm that, that does something for a client that's that's bigger, it's better. It, it's not just a number for a client. It, it needed to be something that's going to help and change the world and change the clients so that when they finish with us, they end up going, hey, I, I've got my matter legally sorted, which, okay, that's a given. You go to a lawyer for that. But hmm. okay, emotionally, I've now got the tools to be able to walk forward and go through this process because it's horrendously difficult. And it was one of those things that, in the law firms that's sorry, I've got people sending me messages. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I can't see them. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's never that um, that exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I just wanted to. I wanted something bigger than what was out there right now, and and not being about money. And I mean, I've turned down roles being partners in top tier law firms on numerous occasions because it's it's not what I'm after. It's not what I want. And I think equal deserves so much more than what lawyers are really giving them at the moment. So on that score, I had a look on your website and I loved this little video saw, which was almost like a, not an onboarding video, but almost like before you call, this is how we deal with, with your details and, and what we do. Um, maybe you just want to describe why, what that was and why you put that video there, because I think it's fantastic. Um. Yeah, so obviously we want people, we, like some of our values that we have in the law firm is about being honest and transparent and um, being accountable. And the clients, they need to see exactly who it is that we're about and, and what we do um, before they come on. They need to know exactly what we're dealing with and how we deal with their, their, their information and details. Because coming to a lawyer for any person, whether, you, whether you're a lawyer or not, um, it's extremely intense and emotionally, um, you know, um, devastating. And nobody wants to go to a lawyer. We're what we call a negative spend. You'd rather go and spend your money on, um, you know, having a party or wine with the girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, you know. And um, so we outline that. But um, part of what we also do is um, when people come on is we talk about how we handle them with a holistic approach. And we make sure that every single one of our clients actually attends with the life coach um, and also a mortgage broker or finance broker. So um, whether it's you're going through a commercial matter or a family law matter, the fact is, is you're going to need some emotional support. Even if it's your business, it's still intense. I've been through my own uh, business dispute in court and um, obviously you never represent yourself, but um, that's intense. Whether, whether you're fighting over a business asset or, or a personal family matter or your children, it's all equally as difficult. So you need those tools and you need to be able to show how to get yourself through to the next stage, which is why we actually call ourselves Forge. It's because we want you to forge forward. We want you to forge new futures. We want to not forge documents. Thank you. But, um, mm. but yeah, it's... That's why it's always about just teaching people who it is that we are. And if this is what you what you need from a lawyer, then great. And if it's not what you need, then you get the choice and go and pick a law firm that's for you because we're not yeah. for everyone. That's great. And so this sort of leads us a little bit down the track to when we connected and it was through uh, someone I know, which is Monica Rosenfeld, who I uh, saw her posting about what you're doing because I think she done some work with you and this story appeared on I think a current affair yeah, it was um, a big one. 
However, on a current affair um, for a good reason, and uh, that's that's an accolade in itself, I think, because nine out of 10 of their stories must be uh, negative. And um, so just take us to the nucleus of that idea before we just disclose all the, the box and dice about what it is. Um, so obviously I've been in law for 20 years and when I first started out, it was that whole, I want to change the world as we spoke about. And when I was in the family court a lot, I was doing that and I was helping people. And even though they were going through difficult times, I could get them into court and out through the other side, probably having spent maybe 30, maximum $50,000. Um, and they would be done and dusted within six months to 12 months. And even though it was a disruptive time for families, you could actually see how you were actually were helping people and going forward. And that was so beautiful for me. I actually felt like I was in the right place doing the whole thing of what I was law. And then you speed up 20 years and well, even progressively over that time. And to get through the court system was taking three, five years, the cost, was massive, just it, it offensively difficult for people. Like they were paying, you know, anywhere like a hundred thousand uh, dollars would be nothing. It's like that's just chump change, and they were charged even up to three, sometimes like in, in horrendously difficult matters, five hundred thousand dollars. And that's I don't get that because it's um, that's like half of a house, or that's a massive down payment for a house, and is being given to lawyers and that comes off one side of property settlement the children are being dragged through it um, the parties were being dragged through it and it was making me really really mad that the courts weren't doing anything to change uh, lawyers weren't doing anything to change it the law society wasn't stepping in nobody was stepping in to do anything and I thought well I'd had enough like I want to change something and I'm going to disrupt the entire legal industry and change it because if nobody's going to do it, well, then I have the knowledge and I have the know-how and I have the funds to be able to support it. So that's exactly what I was going to do. So that's where I created a system where people could actually go through and draft their own court documents and negotiate their own property settlement or custody matters without needing to use a lawyer if they chose not to because people can't afford it and it really it was it, I got so angry and so frustrated about it that I did it because one of the stories I like to tell is when I was a barrister and when I first started out as a barrister on the robes those you know funny black robes with the wig of which I still have them but um, there is and no one ever really notices this but there is a little triangle at the back of the robe and it sits just on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And the point of that triangle is symbolic of the whole point of what an advocate stood for. And back when advocates first came into play many, many eons ago, it was, they weren't actually paid. That pocket, that, that there was actually a hood and it was like a bag that people would just put money in and donate money to them for their services. Oh, okay. so they, weren't, they weren't there for money. They were there to give people access to justice. Mm. And for me, I always remember that. It's so significant and so symbolic. And for me, I had the ability to do that. 
to give that to people where they shouldn't need lawyers to get to the system. They should be able to access it. And if they chose to donate money or, or have those services available to them, then I, I just think everybody should be doing stuff like that. Mm. So let's just put a couple of figures on this. I think um, the average cost of divorce, even though it's variable, the average cost is something like $100,000 in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And even, and here's the thing, in first of September this year, they've changed the whole law and the whole structure of the family court system. And now people supposedly are going to get through the court system within 12 months. And that sounds great. Like it's very virtuous. I'm not convinced that that's going to actually turn out the way they hope, but I hope they do. But what I've noticed though is all the documents you now have to do before you get to court, all of that cost that you paid over a three-year period, you now cost, you now pay over basically a 12-month period. So they've doubled or tripled the amount of work you've got to do to get through the court system. So I'm not sure how that helps or gives any further access accessibility for people who aren't lawyers and don't know what they're doing. So you invested an amount of money, which um, I think you said was $250,000. It was. We've, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've actually invested a lot more than that. We, um, I'm sure there's yeah. ongoing costs <laughs> with it, yeah. Yep. But there's, yeah, the, the initial outlay was $250,000, yeah. And from the consumer's perspective, they can come out the other end with some court-ready oh. documents. And yeah. what does that cost typically on average? Um, typically, so a court document can be anywhere from $60 through to, I think the most expensive one we've got is about $290. So they'll typically come out paying less than $1,000, I think is uh, yeah. bigger. Yep. So we're Easily talking about yeah. So $100,000 versus $1,000 sounds like a pretty big benefit. And I guess not everyone is going to fit into this, I guess, the online platform, but a lot of people do. Yeah, they do. Although what's been really fascinating for us is um, it's designed for people who don't have those funds available so they have access um, to it. Um, what we've been noticing is the people who um, are wanting to use it as well um, are those with property pools or assets um, in the, um, you know, four to $15 million bracket. Mm. So what that says to us is, People really don't like lawyers at all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, no surprise. And uh, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it, but it's nolawyers.com.au is uh, what you should look up if you're watching this and you want to check it out. Now, someone said to me once that the reason the legal system or legal industry doesn't change much is because the model isn't yet broken. However, you're putting a chink in the model, so we can point to some areas where the model is being broken. Yeah. yeah. I'm loving it. Like, it really is true. Lawyers don't like to change. Um, even with COVID, um, we had emergency orders that came in to change about how you could not use a fax machine. Like, who has a fax machine anymore? But a fax machine for contracts. And then it was all of a sudden after a period of time, they said, oh, we're going to take that away again. Now you're going to sign on the old fashioned way. And I'm like, oh, but you were so progressive. I was so proud of you for, for a time period there. But lawyers really don't like technology and they don't like progression. And um, it's not going to change unless we change it. And so, yes, if I have to drag lawyers in kicking and screaming, 
I'm happy to do so. I have quite a few feathers and it is just from people being fearful of what I'm bringing to the market um, and bringing to the masses. And, and my view is, look, there are always going to be people who need lawyers, but there are always going to be people who can't afford lawyers. And that's what it's there to service, is those people who are never going to use lawyers in the first place. So at least it gives people a tool. And it may not be, you may not be able to fix up everything, but it, it's going to give you people at least a tool that they can have uh, available to them to hopefully be able to move on and progress through life and get on with it. And at last count, I think you had more than 1,800 active users of the of your service? Yes, it's um, it's about, I think it's about two or 3,000 now who used it. Um, we've had about, um, I had Alyssa looking it up um, the other day. She hadn't come back to me yet, but I think we've had about um, 20 to 30,000 people actually on the website and engaging. But active users, yeah. Wow, that's great. So um, we could talk so much more about that particular example. However, people can find the case study on it on my website, which is businesspurposeproject.com. And what I want to switch to now is more from a, a personal perspective. What does purpose actually mean for you as, a, as an individual yep. or a professional or both? Yeah. Uh, no, both, actually. So um, purpose, I, everything I do in my life is always geared towards my personal purpose. Mm -hmm. So my personal purpose is to empower people. It's that simple as it is, whether it's, whether it's employees, whether it's uh, clients, whether it's my, my children, um, colleagues, it doesn't matter. It's if you go through life, actually achieving or working on that, it's the, the biggest sense of truth to yourself and um if you're not one of the things i used to I, I used to always struggle with is um i from the age of 13 i always knew what i wanted i always knew what i wanted to do and and i thought how sad is it for those people who go to work and they don't like what they do because you like three quarters of your life is working so if that doesn't align to your personal purpose why would you do that like it just, if you, if you could avoid it, and I understand people go, oh, but I need money. You go, yeah, but if you live your purpose, it will fall to you anyway. It comes your way and you, you tend to align with those things. It puts you in complete bliss of like your pendulum's not swinging, so you're not getting emotional. It, it's everything you're doing um, is with a sense of certainty that, whether it's whether it works out or whether it doesn't work out and it gives you a lesson, that's that's just the way life should be for me. And so for me, I always one of the things I do with my team is when they come on um, and new people that I bring into our team, it always has to be, what is your purpose? What is your 10-year mission? What is your goal? Because if you if you're not aligning your life by design, you get your life by default. And that's when people, if you're not living your purpose, that's where people start to blame others or feel sorry for themselves or um, go down a spiral or a hole that you can't get out of because you don't know what your purpose is. It just makes you lost. Mm. So you found yours when you were 12 or 13. 
Um, I'll admit it took me about 40 years to figure out that purpose was a thing and it was important. So imagine when you're asking potential employees that, it might be the first time they've ever been asked that question. So you've got to cut them a bit of slack, right, in, in what they're thinking. Yep, I do. I do. I absolutely cut them the slack. But I also give them their goals. So we have goals every day and every quarter and every year that we've got to achieve. Um, but I also put in there about you're going to go and do a values exercise. So what are your personal values? Helps actually steer you into what is your purpose. You know, so you can always, people always know what they don't like, which is the easiest way to start. What is it I do? What do I don't like? If I like doing this, why do I like doing that? What is it about it that floats your boat? Mm. You know, so yes, I, I do give them slack because I understand people really won't, like when I talk about their 10 year plan, people always just go, what do you mean 10 years? I go, well, I've got a 10, I've got a 50 year one, I've got a 100 year one, let's go. But um, yeah, it's, if, you can, if you can find your purpose, you find your centre and you find a, a whole reason for your being. And I honestly think every single person um, in the world should have that. And do you find that people express purpose in many different ways? Um, oh, that's an interesting question. Do they express purpose in many different ways? Um, I think, yes, they do. I think um, they, some people will do a job, for instance, with a view that, that will, that's not their purpose, but that will achieve their purpose. Um, but some people's will be emotional. Other people's will be about caring and nurture. Other people's might be their purpose is another person, which I always think is actually quite a dangerous thing to do because your purpose should never be about your children. Mm. It should be about you being as best parent to them as you can. But um, I have seen it before, even with my own mother, where when your purpose is based upon having a happy family, um, that's when it all falls apart because be careful what you wish for. Mm. Um, and it can be dangerous because then you spiral because you haven't really aligned your true purpose. Right. So I've got a, just a couple more questions to finish up with. Where might this go for you? What's on the horizon? Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, I had a, That's I had another a, episode by the sounds of it. It really is. Um, <laughs> I have a 10-year plan to create eight different businesses, all that will completely disrupt the legal industry. Um, but the ones that are my passion, so no lawyers is absolutely my passion, whether I made two cents, uh, whether I made $2 billion, I couldn't care less. Um, but I've got, um, from there, we're building up no lawyers, so we've got people who can represent themselves in court, doing court documents and extending that into domestic violence applications and um, then extending it into doing courses for people, like self-help courses. So everyone, basically, so that everything I'm doing will always be about creating new businesses where people can get more and stronger access to uh, the court system without the need of lawyers. So, um, I will probably, where I see myself going from here is probably upsetting even far more lawyers than I already have. Um, and loving the fact that I'm, that I'm disrupting and creating, making people stop and think about what the system is that we really have and making it better for people so that they can, you know, have access to what 
they need without having to do a five-year law degree. So, and I imagine you would not mind if there was competitors doing what you're doing in, in a different platform because that's that's promoting the the whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, I, I fully expect at some point that we'll have competitors come on. Um, and that's great because I plan on taking my business internationally and trying to actually give access to as many people as we possibly can. I mean, I, I just think that's, um, I don't know about other lawyers, but I do think that that's my responsibility and my moral obligation to make it, to do what I said I would do when I first started and, you know, basically change the world. Excellent. Um, very last question then. So what's your advice for someone who maybe is 12 or 13 or 17 or 18 and um, they haven't yet really framed purpose in their own life? What, what would be your sort of one-line piece of advice for someone who hasn't quite got that clarity of thought yet? Um, I always say um, stop wasting time because every one year that you're wasting is a, a one less uh, year you have to get into it. But your purpose is about what actually floats your boat. You may not really know what that is right now, but you do know what you love mm. and you know what you don't love. So create a list and just start to explore and don't be frightened to change that purpose because as you grow, you're going to change. So instead and of a, bu a bucket list, I think we need a purpose list. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and don't wait, don't wait. And, and by the way, don't do what your parents tell you to do, i.e. in terms of study. Um, don't go and get a law degree because you think that's the appropriate thing to do because if you don't love it, you will earn every cent of that job and that you get paid for for every day of your life. Standard rule of thumb, if you're married for money, you'll earn every cent because there's no love in it. Mm. So honestly, just follow your heart and when you do and when you do what you really love, people get drawn to you because of your passion for it and which means good things tend to come to you because people want to actually see that passion in people. They don't want to around you if you're getting paid just for the sake of getting in, getting paycheck. Tracy's initiative highlights the many ways in which one person can amplify their impact in the world. And she had a great quote there. If you're not aligning your life by design, you get your life by default. I think that's one that should be written on all of our walls somewhere in the house maybe. And it's really about playing to our strengths. So for one person, that might be what they do outside of work, supporting a charity or a cause. For someone else, it might be what they do at work in their team. For example, being a great leader for others and helping them fulfill their potential. For someone else, it might be about amplifying impact using a business strategy as per Tracy's case. And she's being able to amplify her impact many times over because businesses often have more resources than we do as individuals. And she's positively impacting thousands of people. Now, I've got to say the connection with Tracy came via friend and colleague, Monica Rosenfeld. So shout out to Monica for that. And I'll put links to the No Lawyers website and the case study that I did on it um, in the show notes too. Thank you for listening to The Purpose Edge. I'm Phil Preston and have a wonderfully purposeful day. Mm -hmm.